0: Well, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Subalero. A lot of things going on inside EMS. And again, a tip of the hat to everybody out there who's doing the job. And, uh, you know, keep yourselves positive. Don't listen to that negative self-talk. You know, do the job that you were trained to do. And in the end, we're all going to come out ahead. You know, we, we you know, we, we think about EMS, and there's so many things that we need to change. We need to talk about pay. We need to talk about schedules. We need to talk about, you know, being safe. But one of the things that always happens is when EMS is in the thick of it, whether it's natural disaster, whether it's civil disobedience, whether it's now this pandemic, we are the most professional, dedicated, and committed individuals in the world who do their job. And I've got to tell you, there's been so many things that have happened, um, that I've just been proud to be next to EMS providers when they came to work and they stood up and did the job that they needed to do. But in this episode of the Inside EMS Podcast is sponsored by Boundary Medical. Learn how Boundry can help you save minutes and lives at Boundtree.com. So let me ask you this question. What happens if somebody out there contracts the coronavirus. You're out there, you're doing your job, or maybe you're just going to the store, and what happens if you contract the virus? We're hearing a lot of things about people who are contracting the virus and they're dying. Does that necessarily mean that's going to happen to everyone that gets this virus? No, it doesn't. But but what are the symptoms like? What's the feeling like? How do you come across and how do you know that you have this virus now? What's the testing process like? I mean, I got to tell you, I think there's just so many things to think about, but we have a gentleman here today. He is going to be our guest and talk about his experience with contracting COVID-19. And his article came out on March 30th, First Person, I Am a COVID-19 Positive Paramedic. John Dillon, he's a paramedic with the city of Woodbury in Minnesota, and he also has a background as a law enforcement educator. John, I want to welcome you to the Inside EMS podcast. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, you sound good. I mean, you don't sound like you're sick. I mean, I think you're on the downslide. And if I'm not mistaken, you get ready to go back to work uh, uh, April 5th, I think it is. Um, Yes. So, um, but you sound good. Yeah, I think that's been the
1: amazing thing about this whole thing is that really, you know, my symptoms have been very, very mild. And um, I can only speak for Minnesota in my experience is that. For me, as many of my friends and family, I'm the first person most people have come in contact with that, know, uh, they, that they know they have COVID-19. And of course, that's going to change in the next couple of weeks. So for a lot of people, I was their actual first real experience with COVID-19,
0: and I've done quite a bit of work trying to tell people my story. So when you now, I want to go ahead and take you through this process, I mean, You you were working, uh, you were traveling. So when you think about, you know, how you can try, I mean, there's no real way to kind of figure out where you contracted this virus from.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, the the, the quick story is I just got back from Columbia a week before and my employer contacted me saying because I travel out of the uh, the country, they'd like me to just kind of not come back to work for seven to 14 days. And uh, my pers- the person I traveled with for 18 days to Columbia was absolutely paranoid. She self-quarantined herself as soon as we got back. I, of course, went out and did all the shopping, the works. And I believe, quite frankly, I got COVID-19 here because Columbia wasn't a hot-, hot spot for infections.
0: Yeah, but so. when we think about that, though, I mean, it could have been... It could have been- you know, it could have been the flight. It could have been really anywhere though. But so you did get back into the United States after 18 days in Colombia. And in, in your article, you talk about it was an amazing country, by the way, but we'll save that for another podcast. But then you started to feel the onset of symptoms on March 22nd. So take us through that. What was that like for you? And did you know from the very beginning, oh my goodness, this must be something uh, more than just a little allergy? Absolutely not. In fact,
1: my commander called me on that, uh, Sunday, just to make sure I felt fine and didn't have any symptoms, and I remember actually saying, you know, I've got this dry cough, and to me it really felt, and and I put in the article was it felt like, you know, I just came back to Minnesota, my the 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 house is dry, it the type of cough it felt like it didn't feel like a cold, and um, so yeah, I had no other symptoms, no
0: other problems, and then the next day I went to work. So you actually, I mean, you, you kind of dismissed it, you know, you're saying, Hey, I got this cough because my home has been closed up for three weeks and, uh, you know, maybe it's just that the house is dry, but then you went back to work on the 23rd and now as you start to go through your day, how are you, how are you starting to, uh, you know, feel, how, how is this working out? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I came in that day
1: and I talked to kind of our designated, um, I guess, lack of better person say, uh, like lack of better words, um, was designated as the infectious disease person. And I said, "Boy, I picked a bad day to get a cold because now it was starting to feel more like a cold and it was just a dry cough. And he said, well, just wear a mask and, you know, check your temperature, you know, now and then check it later on today. And so basically that's all I had it was just this dry cough. It really wasn't even persistent. Um, and then went out in our first call and then- Somewhere in the back of my mind, and I didn't put this in the article, was we had a patient that really, a simple cold could really be detrimental to this patient. And I'm thinking, what if, what if? And I'm wearing a mask at this point in time, and I asked my partner to take over primary patient care so I can create that distance. And we actually have a divider now up in the ambulance um, that separates the front to the back, so we're, you know, we're separated. And then later on that day, I got some GI issues uh mortal diarrhea and between the combination of recent travel the dry cough and the GI it was decided I should just go home and really I felt fine and I felt even guilty going home because I didn't feel that sick uh, later on that day um, I did develop what I would consider um, that's general sense that my body's fighting off an infection I had some chills yeah. I had some uh, you know just some general body aches but at no time did I develop a temperature. Hmm. At no time did I feel like this deathly sick.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because when you hear about the variations of how this virus is affecting people, I mean, from the point of, uh, you know, what you're saying basically is you had some body aches, you had some chills, no fever, a uh, little little rumbling in the tummy. And uh, that's, my, that's my medical, my best medical uh, definition there, rumbling in the tummy. And, um, but you didn't have the fever, you didn't have the, you know, the, the seizures that people are having, you, you know, you didn't develop the pneumonia. I mean, so really when people are starting to say, you know, I'm going to get this virus and I'm going to wind up in the hospital, there's really a, a you know, an array of symptoms from the most of mild to the most severe, and you could really fall anywhere along that spectrum.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I think the thing for me
1: was I just got back... <clears throat> you know, back in the country and been watching the, the Colombian news. And in Colombia the hysteria was just starting to ramp up there. And I would say they were like two weeks behind the U.S. There was no runs in the grocery stores. They had plenty of toilet paper. Um, and the people I was with, they were kind of getting really scared. But the bottom line is we kind of got this picture. Boy, if you get sick, you're going to get this deathly ill. You're going to be knocked out. And, and that's how, even though the symptoms were out there, you kind of got this impression from the news that if you get sick, you're going to get really sick. So when I had these mild symptoms come on, quite frankly, the last thing I was thinking of was COVID-19. I've had basic colds have taken me out harder.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that I think was interesting in your article that everybody seems to have in common is that you still had a good appetite. But you lost the the sense of taste. You lost a sense of smell. And then, of course, when you try to eat, uh, it's almost like you're just putting, you know, hay in your mouth. I mean, there's just like there's this like no, uh, as you say, no satisfying uh, factor to eating at all. I mean, what was that like?
1: You know, it was really interesting because the smell thing really didn't start to come out until about, you know, four or five days of me being being out. And I'm a big cook and I like wine. So I was cooking some pretty elaborate meals and desserts and I would sit down and say, okay, I'm looking forward to this meal. And I sit down and go, wow, this just did not really taste that great to me. And I never really put a finger on it at first. And, you know, I remember one day I had a turkey dinner delivered to me that I always enjoyed. And I got through the plate and I'm going, God, that was just so unsatisfying. Um, So... That was very interesting. That was really probably the worst part about my experience was the lack of food the taste. Because when you got nothing to do, you start to enjoy food, right? And that yeah. basic enjoyment, I didn't have.
0: You know, John, I think that you know your experience is really one that is very unique, and uh, I'm very, very happy that you've come to kind of share this, uh, you know, this story with us. And I want to ask you a couple more questions. You know, I want to ask, why did you decide to write the article? I want to talk a little bit about the testing process. But before we do that, as your partner in EMS for over 40 years, Boundtree has made it their goal to provide you with more than just emergency medical supplies and equipment. Boundtree partners with you to create efficiencies within your organization and help you find ways to make the most out of your budget. Your dedicated account manager will be your true partner, acting as your personal advisor to help you determine which solutions are right for you and your specific needs. To find out more or to set up an account, visit Boundary.com or call 800-533-0523. So, John, let's get back to your story. And, you know, in the article you write, so why do I share this? And go ahead and share that message with everybody out there. Well, I think what had happened was at work, and they have been great <clears throat> they um
1: they put a g- generic email out to, to let everybody know that a public safety employee had tested positive, and they didn't really give much information out now, I kind of assumed and I assumed wrong that everybody would know who it was because public safety, as you know, the quickest way to keep a se- to get a secret out there is to tell people it's a secret and but they quickly separated everybody. So everybody became socially isolated. And so they didn't have the benefit of gossip. So anyway, I sent out an email to the whole department, which is like 100 and 200 employees. And I said, I wanted to share my story. And one of the reasons I wanted to is I kind of felt there's a lot of emphasis placed on checking your temperature. And in my case, I felt that that's that's really a misdirection. First of all, very few of us are going to develop a temperature without having other symptoms, you know? So to me, once you develop a temperature, well, you probably already had other indicators that you were sick and you should be acting on those indicators. In my case, I've never once developed a temperature yet. I tested positive. So I decided to share that story so people can have that firsthand experience and keep in mind, what I have found is for many people, I'm the first person they know personally that's developed COVID. So they got a firsthand, you know, example. The other thing is the people I did talk to before I went public with it in the email, almost everybody I talked to thought I'd be sicker than I was. That was what really caught me off guard. Because quite frankly, I thought I'd be sicker than I was.
0: Right. I I think that that's one of the things that's very, very misleading is that you know you hear the the horror that's coming from the news and they're making it sound like that this is the most debilitating disease of course you do have the opportunity that it leads to, uh, you know, the ultimate in death. But I think that the fear is that everybody who thinks they're going to get it is that's how they're going to wind up. And to hear your story and to be inspired to say, you know what, this this may not be the worst if it, uh, if I get these symptoms. And I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head when you said everybody's saying temperature, temperature, temperature. I never had a temperature the whole time. Exactly.
1: And in the article, I made the reference. It's kind of like waiting for the water to come to the promenade deck of the Titanic. to decide to get on the, you know, to get on the lifeboat. And it's like at that point in time, it's, it's already too late. You've already been potentially infected other people or coworkers. And my really the moral of my story was is you can't wait to have these serious symptoms. We're in an age now. And I don't you know, I was concerned people may take my article as a way of Is dismissing the seriousness of the disease. But actually, what I'm trying to really emphasize is look, if you have mild symptoms that are even consistent with any of these symptoms, assume you have it. And, you know, I've been around long enough, 40 years, you know, a lot of the stuff we're doing, like temperature, things like that, are just really false, you know, can give you down a, lead you down a false path. And what I mean by that is you just have to assume if you have symptoms that you're you're contagious until proven otherwise. Wear a mask, separate yourself, don't go to work.
0: Right. So, you know, one of the things that I do want to touch on as well is, um, you know, I think first off, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I heard from the TV, from the news, was we should all walk around like we all have the virus or that the virus is in our community at least it gives us the opportunity to know that we may be contagious and we may be passing it off. Now, as you mentioned, you know, and they're talking about now the, you know, CDC is saying and Dr. Fauci, who's on TV all the time, is saying maybe we need to wear masks because we may have the virus and we may not even know it. John, you know, you're, you're kind of giving us that validation that, you know, you were kind of feeling ill and you weren't really feeling sick. Um, but w- one of the things that I do want to ask you about is this testing process because you put this into your article as well. Can you take the listeners through that?
1: Absolutely. Um, what happened was, at least in, in, in our region here, um, and like many other areas, they're really restricting who can get tested, and first responders and healthcare providers and really sick people been put at the front of the line. So it was on that Tuesday night, I was talking with uh, somebody from work about this. And I said, you know, there's really no advantage to getting tested because it's not going to change any of the treatments. But I should at least get tested. And that way we have like a marker, you know, is is this COVID-19? And I got to the point, I would have been surprised if the test came back negative because I know my body, I typically don't get sick like this. And when I say sick like this, I never really get that sick. I just knew my body was fighting something off. So they said, yeah, go get tested. There's a phone number we called, which is basically a clinic. I had to get screened initially by somebody, kind of like a screener. Um, they asked a few questions. Then I was passed on to a nurse who then asked a bunch of health questions and other screening questions. And then she made the determination based on her algorithm or guidelines that I should, in fact, get tested. So I was given a choice of two different locations to go to, and I was told when I arrived, call this phone number, and you're going to get uh, told what to do. So I pulled to the back of this clinic, and people met you, there, their PPE, you made your phone call, and then you drove up to this tent, and you never got out of your car. And then I got a call by a physician that asked me a series of questions. And then two uh, technicians come out and they proceed to take a long swab and basically jab the back of my brain. At least that's what I felt like. It's very, very- Yeah, what quick.
0: was it? We see, we see those pictures, man. What was that like?
1: It was, the only thing I can say is it's like, ah! You know, it, you just get startled because it goes, it's very fast and quick. It's not very pleasant. But fortunately, it's, it's very short-lived, just a split second, but it catches you off guard. And uh, they took my sample, and I was told, wait five to seven days, and they gave me a sheet of paper of things to look for and symptoms, which, you know, then I went home, and the next day, I got a call from the clinic
0: saying I was, in fact, positive. So it didn't even take five days. You knew right away. Knew right away, Yep. Interesting. So, John, you know, I I was entertained by the article. I think that I'm glad that you're doing okay. This is the first time we're visiting and talking. And I got to tell you, uh, you're a lot braver probably than I would have been. I probably would have been curled up in the fetal position in my bathtub crying like a baby. Uh, And I I don't know that I would do that. I'm just trying to be dramatic for the show. But, um, you know, so what's the, what's the, what do you want people out there to know? I mean, so when you think about, Now that you've had time to reflect, you know, after you've written the article, now that you've gotten a little bit more of, uh, let's say, experience going through this. I mean, there's a lot of EMS providers who are scared. They have a lot of fear. They have a lot of apprehension. They're questioning about going to work. You know, is this, am I going to get this disease? Are they going to bring it? I mean, you know what everybody's thinking, man. You've been in this business for a long time. But what's the message you have for them?
1: Well, I think, first of all, if you're healthy, and you don't have any comorbidities, look, the risk is going to be very low to you. I mean, you're going to survive this. And the biggest thing is health, take care of yourself. Make sure you take care of yourself and your family. Now, I know the people I have talked to were dealing with spouses or significant others that are very concerned not only about our health, but they're concerned about us bringing something home to them. And I know that's very fearful. What I have heard from people is first of all, getting a firsthand account that's not as bad as the news makes it out to be. Uh, I know a lot of people have shared this with their spouses saying, look, this is the worst case scenario, or here's not, not the worst case scenario, but that's, this is you know example of somebody I know firsthand and the symptoms he's experienced. And that's brought some reassurance to people, I think. And I think the biggest thing, like I said, is like the news media, there's a reason why we're self distancing. It is to reduce the risk and you can't use fever or feeling really ill as your marker that you have it. And I think that's, that's going to bear out. I think like we did with HIV with, you know, H1N1, once the dust settles, we start to see things in a different light. And I think that's going to happen here. As more and more of us know people firsthand that get, um, COVID, we're going to find out there's going to be a common theme of symptoms. And hopefully that information will get out to people and will help bring down the fear a little bit. But be healthy fear. You know, don't spread it. Assume you have it if you've got the minor minor symptoms. And there's even data out there showing you don't even have to have symptoms to be spreading it.
0: No, I think you're right. John, Dylan, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS and I think you gave us a lot of things to think about a, a lot of I, I think a lot of hope to know that uh, it may not be the worst thing that happens if we do contract on the job. So I'm glad you're doing well, sir. And I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your uh, experience with us. And for I appreciate very much and everybody out there, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and email us at the show at EMS1.com. I'm Chris Sabalero from my partner Kelly Grayson. I want to thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to everyone again real soon.